Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast and it's a rare one today because it's me, Mark Heath, your host, and joining me, the doctor, Stuart Watson, just a two-man pod, a rare combination and that's because essentially, Stewie, this is pay-per-view stuff. This is the you just realised that your mic is on or off. It's fine, <laughs> Stewie. I want to ask you by starting this. Obviously, you just come back from Southampton Town. I've got another win, which we'll, we'll talk about in due course. But we know we've got the young guns, Bossy and AJ. They've, they've they've really leaned into that since I branded them that after watching a Wham documentary. What what are we, mate? You and me, the senior citizens, the old boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Have you got anything in mind? The grumpy, well, the, the grumpy the old man. Grumpy old man, isn't it? Um, which I would have railed against not too long ago, but now I think I'm I'm easing quite smoothly into that. We're not old, mate. We're in our prime. Exactly. Aging like fine wine. Uh, how are you anyway, mate? You all right? I'm good, thanks. I like the way you... Um, so, Blase, just another win for Ipswich, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah, do, just another it? win. That's what we do. Uh, wins, 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 whatever. How was your trip to Southampton? Because clearly, obviously, you're now also, um, I talk about your role in the group. You're the veteran leader. You're also the driver now. Um, so you, 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 drew, you drove there and back to Sheffield Saturday. Uh, and the then doctor, you the driver, the <laughs> candlestick maker. It's the utility player, mate, the, mm. uh, the veteran leader. Um, and am I right in thinking Southampton? Stop you went calling to me a veteran. <laughs> You went to Union Southampton, didn't you? So it's like a Bournemouth. Bournemouth, oh, okay. That's right. uh, all the no same. South Coast. All the same. Yeah. How was it anyway? Uh, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Um, another another memorable away day for Ipswich mm. Town, where um, they're they're racking up. We're being spoiled, aren't we? Um, for for many years, they were sort of collectors' items. We've, we've, for a long time, we kept sort of reaching into the past for. Chaplow's late winner at Watford and Noel Hunt's late winner at Charlton as kind of memorable away days. But now we've had a, a string of them in the, in the space of what, six, seven months. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one that I think will we'll live long in the memory this one. Yeah. Well, let's, let's kick off there. And obviously town winning again, six wins in seven games, Stu. This is a madness. It's like that, that, that clip, isn't it? The kid after he's been to the dentist, is this real life? It feels a bit like that. Like it, no one, even in their wildest dreams, could have predicted six wins out of the first seven games, especially in terms of the, the, the teams they've played. Do you want to you want to start with your thoughts on the game, and then we'll hear from from Wes Burns what he made of it. Yes, um, twenty minutes in, I was thinking this is a, a real step up in in quality. These look like a team that have just come down from the Premier League. They weren't dominating, but you could tell compared to Sheffield Wednesday, this was a higher class of opposition. Mm. A little bit of pressure was starting to build around 20, 30 minutes. Um, and then Ipswich got the goal, slightly against the run of play. I'd say it had been pretty even up until that point, but if anything, it was slightly against the run of play. Um, and from there, that home crowd turned big time. And that's where we talked about, can you get that crucial first goal? Because that, that was an edgy, anxious crowd off the mm. back of losing 4-1 to Leicester at home, having been thrashed 5-0 at Sunderland prior to that. There is some um, early teething problems with the Russell Martin style of play, um, which 
yeah, they, they think they were maybe struggling to get on board with as, as a home crowd. And um, yeah, for, for a 10-minute spell, which were, were bang on top, probably should have added a second. Didn't. Familiar story from Sheffield Wednesday. Didn't get that killer second when they were on top. Okay, uh, the momentum's going to turn back at some point. It did. Can you dig in? Can you see it out? Can you manage the game? Um, yes, was the answer to all those questions. Ipswich have got some more strings to their bow now. And um, yeah, memorable scenes at the end as uh, once again, a, a packed away end was able to to celebrate with the players all as one. Um, brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, it is, it is again, a madness, isn't it? Southampton in the Premier League, town in League One last season. What was it? You say that the 20-man squad Southampton was worth, what was it, 80 million, 90 million, something like that, compared to town? Uh, yeah, I think I think the starting 11 was 80 million. The bench yeah. was another 60 million, something ridiculous oh, like that in terms yeah. of transfer fees paid. Um, Ipswiches will be less than 10. Um, and you just had to sort of started counting through the number of Premier League appearances in that Southampton squad compared to Ipswich's. There was a, a real disparity there between the two. Let's not, I think we shouldn't lose sight of that. I think that was an important context after Ipswich lost to Leeds to kind mm. of point out how far Ipswich had come four years in League One. Let's not forget that. Um, they have no right to be really going, going to somewhere like Southampton and winning, but they, they did because... Um, stability, uh, coaching, everything that we know, the, the unity, everything that's gone into this this Ipswich team is is what's given them the edge in these sort of games. It's another one that could have gone either way. A lot of these championship games we're talking about if key moments had swung a different way and stuff like that. But um, there's a reason they keep coming the right side of these because you, if you do all the right things, you've got a chance of kind of edging these sort of games. And that's why they keep tipping more often than not in the favour of Ipswich Town. You can say if you want to. You can say I'm not. No, I'm not, I'm <laughs> not saying it. Let's hear from Wes Burns what he made of it all. Wes, a team that played in the Premier League last year. So for you to come up from League One and to put in a performance like that and get a win like that must be pretty special. Yeah. Um, for us to come away from home, you know, back to back, you know, Wednesday and now tonight and grind out 1-0 wins, it's um, a sign of a good team. You know, um, we've come here tonight, we stuck to our principles, t- stuck to our, you know, disciplined shape and we knew that we could hurt them if, if we uh, shut up shop and that was, the, that was the end result. Yeah, I mean, you watched that game a little bit, I think, on Friday night uh, when they lost 4-1 here yeah. to Leicester. Did that kind of translate to what you expected uh, from them tonight? Uh, well, we, you know... Their managers obviously been at MK Dons and Swansea and, and now obviously Southampton. So we knew that, you know, the structures and, and the way that they play were going to be very similar to those. So we knew, you know, the very possession-based team, you know, you got players rolling in, you know, full-backs rolling into midfield. So we knew that blocking the middle and not letting any passes through the middle of us would be very key tonight. So we tried to make sure that everything sort of went down the sides and we could defend from there. And I think we've done that, you know, for the whole game. And when you keep clean sheets and you've got the quality that we have up front, you're always going to you know, have a chance of winning. Mm. Goal comes, I guess, a little bit against the run of playoffs. They've had some good chances there, but I mean, a fantastic moment on his first start for uh, Amari Hutchinson. Yeah, really, really proud for him. Um, you know, he's come in from, from Chelsea and he's, you know, he's got his head down and he's worked his socked off and um, he deserves his start tonight and he deserves his goal. Um, you know, it topped off a, a brilliant away performance. And that is obviously the perfect segue into talking about the match winner, Stewie, Amari Hutchinson. Started probably slightly surprising in place of, of Nathan Broadhead. 
um, got his first senior goal. What do we make of this young man? Because clearly he's come from Chelsea with a lot of uh, lot of hype, a lot of highlights, um, and he's been kind of up and down. Very good in pre-season and not had too many chances yet. <clears throat> and we've talked about him maybe needing to improve his decision-making, but he, um, he made some good decisions on Tuesday night. He did, yeah. In terms of the starting eleven, uh, that I was surprised by that. Mm. Um, I think most people predicted Hurst to come back in for Ladapo. We knew Williams would replace the injured Davis at left back. With McKenna talking about squad rotation coming into play with with the midweek fixtures now starting, Taylor for Luongo wasn't a massive surprise, um, but Hutchinson for Broadhead. Um, I think caught a lot of us out mm. because I thought if any of the wingers was going to be swapped out, it would have been Wes Burns because sent home from Wales duty with a, with a hamstring problem, came off with a tight hamstring at Hillsborough a few days earlier. Um, but it was Nathan Broadhead who dropped out. And again, this is a bit of a McKenna masterclass coming up with a bespoke game plan. Um, you heard Wes Burns there talking about the the inverted fullbacks sort of rolling inside everyone trying to copy Manchester City these days. Um, he obviously felt that having sort of two more dynamic wingers, Wes uh, Broadhead is more of a kind of a floats around uh, silky technical player, but he's not as dynamic as, as Hutchinson and, and Burns. So he obviously felt having two of those sort of more athletic wide men could. Uh, could deal with that that issue. They were very narrow. I don't think I've ever seen Wes Burns play as narrow as he as he has there. Normally he's got paint on his boots. He's out wide. He's the outlet. But he was he was tucked right inside um, with Amari Hutchinson cutting off those passing lanes, forcing them out wide, and um, and then Ipswich dealt with with those crosses into the box more often than not. So um, that's the first point. There is that that Kieran McKenna once again has has looked at the opposition, um, worked out what he wants to do, and, and they looked like a team that, that knew the game plan and how they how they're going to execute it. And what about Amari then? So he come he, it's obviously a big, big occasion for him away from home. Um and he gets he gets the goal that wins the game. And he gets it in a unexpected way, I guess. It's 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 a goal that would make any manager happy because of the way it comes about. It comes from hard work and the press and putting a tackle in and then making things happen. And uh, yeah, fantastic from the young lad. Yeah, I'll be honest. I saw it when I saw him first in pre-season, I did use the term show pony when I was talking to <laughs> uh, Alex and, and other colleagues when we were watching the games. Very flash, got some step overs, quite skillful, but young lad from the Premier League. Hmm decision-making at times, which I think he still needs to work on. There's still one or two times where he doesn't necessarily pick the final ball. But has he got... The, the big question mark with a player like that is when they've come from a sort of a Premier League academy bubble, are they going to get stuck into the, the blood and thunder of men's football? Can they do Can they do the ugly stuff? Can they do the hard graft? And um, by all accounts, Kieran McKenna had those same doubts and reservations and that same conversation with him in the summer um if you've read his quotes post match he talked about yeah that, uh, in no uncertain terms he was told that he needs to do that part of the game and he can be very good at it and uh, that's exactly what he did for the goal um southampton had started the game quite quite more direct than i anticipated we were expecting the sort of russell martin play out from the back they did they did hit the channels a few times but as the game wore on they started to take the goal kick short 
and Ipswich started to realise that um, they could go and press that and force mistakes. And uh, yeah, it's an Amari Hutchinson crunching slide tackle on, uh, I think it was Shay Charles trying to step mm. out from the back, gets it back off Chaplin. Um want to give a shout out to George Hurst, who I, I didn't probably fully appreciate at the time, but he does really well to kind of dummy that ball and leave it for Hutchinson. And it's um, a really nice finish on the stretch and off the post. Mm. And we can actually hear, as you just teased, Stewie, from Kieran McKenna, a really nice line from him you got after the game about that very chat with young Amari in the summer. You know, a great goal for Amari's development, to be honest. We're joking with him down there, but, you know, from where he started a couple of months ago for him to score his first professional goal from a sliding tackle, uh, I don't think he, he would have believed that would have been, you know, part of his repertoire. Um, so great, you know, indicator of the progress that he's making, great indicator of the, you know, the group that he's developing in and the, the standards and the discipline that he's he's learning here. And um, alongside the, the goal is all around defensive performance was, was excellent. And of course, then he showed his, his quality and his bravery on the ball as well. Yeah, really clearly. And I think he would um he would attest to that. But you know, the part of the reason why we spoke about that is because I think his capacity to do it is incredible. And you know, that probably surprised him, but when I when I met him over the summer, um we looked at some video and I told him that I think he can be absolutely outstanding out of possession. He's got the endurance to do it. He's got the speed. He's got the agility to move his feet. And um, I think he can be, you know, top, top, top class out of possession. So um, I said to him, if, if he doesn't utilise that part of the game, if he doesn't come here and develop that part of the game, it would be a waste of his talent, to be honest, because there's not many wingers who've got you know, the ability to do that side of the game naturally as well as what he does. So, um, yeah, it's great that he's developing on that. But again, that probably does then reflect on the, you know, the group and the culture that he's coming into and the demands that the players put on each other. And um, he's, he's, slotted, uh, he's slotted into that well now and he's, he's developing nicely. It's lovely stuff, Stu. And I, again, we, I love the man management from McKenna on play there because we know from numerous conversations you boys have had with the players that he focuses on what players can do, tells you what you're good at. And that's why he uses you in, in certain situations. But in Amari's case, a young lad who's coming, probably thinking, as you say, he's a bit of a, my, I am a flashy Dan. I can do this, that and the other. But then McKenna says to him, do you know what? I think you could be really good at the ugly side of the game. And immediately then you're like, could I? Do you know what? I bloody could, you know, I just love that man, that man management. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's probably some cases where you think, actually, that's not your forte and it's probably never going to be your forte. Mm. So we'll find ways to kind of hide that part of your game and, and focus on the stuff that you are really good at. Um, you're never going to turn certain players into certain things. But in Amari's case, with his with his age and his physical attributes, they yeah, like you say, you, you tell somebody... Yeah, you've made him feel good about that. It's not the mm. old school, you need to get stuck in, son. You can't just you make him, the way he described that, you can be top, 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 mm. to use McKenna's phrase, at the at the off-the-ball stuff as well. And, uh, you know, he's now got evidence for that with his first senior, senior goal. And it wasn't just that moment. He got stuck in in plenty of other areas too. And when Kieran McKenna says the standards that the group sets, um the rest of them to a man really got stuck in. And that's that's what I've liked about the championship journey so far. I think we heard 
in an early interview, was it Massimo Luongo who talked about them being shown the stats from Burnley yep. last season? Um, got all the plaudits for fantastic football on their way to winning the championship title, but they were shown the stats on how much running they did, how many mm. tackles they made, all that sort of stuff. And um, we know that they're a good football team, Ipswich, but they're showing they're willing to to really roll up their sleeves. And this this was a different type of performance. This was this was closer to a low block. Um, in terms of the way they sort of sat in and defended, we talked about sort of being a bit more narrow and organised, and um, yeah, just some some really big tackles in there as well, and everyone just getting stuck in. It was great. Mm. I wish my wife would take the McKenna approach to management, focus on what I could be good at, rather than pointing out that mm. I'm terrible at stacking the dishwasher, for example. Why why is it Stu, that you have to stack the dishwasher? You I'm not sure you have a dishwasher, but people can relate to this. I stack the dishwasher how I want to stack it. Doesn't have to be the same way as the wife does it. Why is that? Why is that an issue? Have you encountered this kind of thing in your relationship with Mrs. Watson? I don't have a dishwasher, but I there is there is talk of two different types of people with that. I would be quite. I'd take the McKenna methodical approach. Yeah, I want some, I want some nice spacing. I might do a little pre-rinse beforehand, <laughs> um, and I would get quite cross. So I, you would just chuck it all in? Yeah, I'm a kind of man. schizophrenic. Mm. Uh, it fits there. What's the problem? That kind of thing. That would annoy me. <clears throat> you uh, you would get on very well with my wife if that's your approach to, to dishwasher stacking, my friend. Um, in terms of other, other things to talk about from the game, we talked about Amari there. He did very well. Um, how about guys who came in? Jack Taylor, um, a, a big game for him as well. How, what did you make of him? Um. He'll. It's his first game in after a thing. There, there are. Th- he was a bit loose at times. Um, more to come from him, I would say. They looked better when Massimo came on for the final half an hour. Mm. Um, but he's going to bring some different, different qualities and attributes. And I think in terms of sort of goal threat, but it was a, it was a high quality game for him to kind of step into and, and make his full debut. Um, but uh, yeah, he'll be better for, for that hour. But I can't, I can't sit here and, and give you rave reviews on on Jack Taylor from from this performance. But mm. um, yeah, that's, that's he'll he'll feel better for getting that hour under his belt. How about Brandon Williams? Because he 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 has had an especially torrid start. Certainly, his, his first few minutes in in a, in a town kit, um, and now he's coming. He's going to have to play for the foreseeable probably with the, with Leif Davis's ankle injury um, sounding like it's, it's not going to solve itself soon. How, how did he look in this one? Yeah, good. Um, different to Leif Davis. I uh, don't think he's going to give you that same sort of attacking outlet and assists output as Leif Davis, but um, he's, he's physical, he's athletic. Um the two fullbacks weren't majorly adventurous in in this game, as they gave Southampton a bit of a bit of respect. But um, yeah, he was he was solid and uh, did his job. In terms of the game as a whole, then Stu, obviously it's a great win, um, and two back to back one 0 wins on the road should never be sniffed at. But there have been chances in both games where Town could have killed the game off. Um, is that something that? Is a concern? I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, no, it's not because they're still creating the chances. Is that what you're going to say? I am. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, our photographer, Steve Waller, came away from Sheffield Wednesday sort of going, oh, I could have got some more goals. I think that was mm. more the photographer side, just wanting more more things to capture. But um, Photographers moan about anything. Yeah, yeah, moan, anything do, yeah. to moan about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I did say, well, 
They scored three against Cardiff in the previous game. They'd scored three against Leeds in the game before that. I think they're the top goal scorers in English football this calendar year. Mm. I'm not going to start sitting here saying I'm worried about their lack of their lack of goals. Um, there are days where you you don't you don't kill it off. They're always going to create enough chances to, to score at least one. Mm. Um, I'm more pleased. I'd rather focus on the fact that they've got back to keeping the clean sheets, of which there was there have been many during the McKenna era. Era they were starting to. It was that week with the Reading game in between the Cardiff and Leeds one where a few goals were starting to be shipped. Um, mm. But so to get a couple of, a couple of clean sheets on the road is, is really encouraging. Um, they had to work hard for, for both of those clean sheets from front to back. Mm. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Cause I know you, you wrote in your, your Stu says that was one of the most satisfying things about the game for you is the way they, they saw the game out and clearly one nil on the road against a team like Southampton with bristling with attacking firepower. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be easy to navigate it, but they um they managed it pretty uh, they managed it pretty well, didn't they? Even with yeah. seven was it seven minutes added on? Yeah, and it, I didn't feel I didn't feel that nervous watching it. You're obviously kind of in the back of your mind thinking something could happen out of nothing, mm. but it never felt like they were under massively under the cosh. Um the periods where Southampton did have bit of pressure which is always going to happen I, th- I felt like they were comfortable in what they were doing but it's it's on and off the ball um I like the fact that they they retain a sort of a, an outlet and a counter-attack and they're able to to sort of attack can be the best form of defense at times they don't get too deep and just try and sort of um shut up shop because I think that's that can be suicidal if you try and do that too soon but they're also quite comfortable at times knowing when okay we have to we're going to have to roll our sleeves up and, and head a few balls out of the box and and stuff like that um yeah just just organized uh physical sam morsey was just stepping in so many times and making things there's a uh, people have, have shared the videos of of a couple of particularly big tackles wes burns um I think he mentioned in that that clip earlier, racing back and sort of a a jump, a leaping off the ground slide tackle from behind where he had to win the ball. There was a similar one from Clark, um, Clark and Ryan Fraser sort of grabbing each other by the shirt after the ball went off by the advertising hoardings. There was just just fire in the belly of this this performance. Um, we've already mentioned Hutchinson and people like that getting getting stuck in. Um, they're looking at a well-rounded football team in in so many aspects at the moment. Ipswich. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the bigger picture in a minute, but I just want to finish this chat, Stu. You, you mentioned on Twitter, I think you put another one kind of filing the memorable away days for Town um, under McKenna. There's, there's been a lot now. I mean, where where would you rank this one among the the ones we've seen? Clearly, I guess Barnsley sticks out, doesn't it? The Bolton Derby ones last season. Where where would you put this one? Right up there. I don't think it tops Barnsley because Barnsley mm. was a special night. That was the moment that you knew several years of hurt, four years in League One had come to an end. You knew that was it. That was that was job done at Barnsley that night. Um, this one is obviously earlier in the season and it hasn't got the same sort of stakes to it, but it's it could be one that we look back on and go, that was a night where we realised that they are the real deal in the championship. Mm. I'm going to stop short of saying that just yet because we're still, we're still early on, but um, it felt like a significant scalp to go to, 
to Southampton. McKenna keeps talking about these little progress markers. He's quite big on improving on something last time around. And, you know, whether it be we haven't we haven't won at Hillsborough in the last two visits, let's try and go and win there now. They did. Um, we weren't able to beat a relegated side in Leeds. Can we can we do something at Southampton? They did. So um yeah, right up there. Maybe just just underneath Barnsley, I would say. Very nice. Uh, any behind the scenes stuff? I know you you shared that the press rooms changed quite a bit since you were last at Southampton. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, changed a lot since we went there. It was nearly ten years ago in the FA Cup, wasn't it? In the playoff yeah. in the playoff season when Darren Darren Ambrose scored that that really good header to take it to a replay. Um, you, it's had a, a, a you can tell it's a club that's been in the Premier League for for a decade. Um, as maybe a little insight into how much Portman Road will will have to change mm. again and improve if which can take the step up to the top flight a huge press room uh loads of different options for food view out onto the docks which was quite nice um did i see they even had branded southampton sweets to give you yes they did we were we were very <laughs> spoiled we're from going last year to that this was a from going to places and and barely getting a bottle of water and some working wi-fi and a and mm. a room to work in um this was this was different. There was an option of a, of a curry with naan bread and uh, bargees and all the sides. Wow. Pasta, if you wanted that as a, as a second option. Some nice little little desserts as well. That was nice. Finally, Stu, the treatment you deserve. You can get used <laughs> to this. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard life, isn't it? Um, yeah, it was very hospitable, Southampton. It was nice. Excellent. Right then. So, Town have won again, six wins in seven. I want to talk about the bigger picture now, Stewie, because if you look at the table, yes, it's still very early. Ipswich Town are third on 18 points. This time last season, the top of the table team was Sheffield United, and they had 14 points. There's also now a five-point gap between Town and fourth place already, and that fourth place team being Sunderland, who obviously Town have already beaten. So, when you look at the bigger picture, Stewie, it's hard not to feel pretty bloody good about things, isn't it? Uh, are you saying they're going up? I'm, well, I'm, not, I'm not quite saying that, but I'm, it, as I said at the, start, at the start of the show, is this real life? No one would have predicted this after seven games. To have won six of those and to be sitting where they are and already having that gap on on fourth place is is uh, is pretty extraordinary, old, old friend. It is, yeah. And I'm... Um... Still pinching myself on a daily basis about quite how ridiculously well this is mm. all going. Um, they're giving themselves a really solid platform, aren't they? And uh, talk about the table really taking shape after 10 games. We'll, we'll be closing in on that fairly soon if Ipswich are, are still in a position that they are now. You're in a, we'll, we'll be starting to get towards being able to say, it's likely they're going to be in the mix if they yeah. can continue this for another four or five games. Um, well, if you look at it, I mean, I think the playoffs last season was 69 points. So Town are already more than a quarter of the way there, which is, again, crazy after seven games. I mean, you couldn't... Yeah, anyway, um, I do want to ask yeah. you, I do want to ask you, Stu, though, about the identity of this team because we knew what Town were last season. Certainly when they, they started on that, that run, which ended up with them getting promoted, they were... A, a team that were going to dominate possession 
going to pick you apart. And if you try and play with them, they're going to rip you apart. Um, but we've seen several different ways of winning already this this season from town. And generally speaking, again, I haven't got the stats to hand, but I'd imagine that in most games this season, they haven't had the lion's share of possession. And we've seen more of a kind of blitzkrieg counter-attack sort of team that literally can um, hit you on the break and score at lightning speed. I know it's only seven games in, but can you kind of put into words what this this team are maybe compared to, to what they were last season? What do you think their identity is? Yeah, certainly very different. And I think, again, that's the mark of McKenna and his coaching staff that they have been able to adapt to different challenges. There was a, mm. I still look back to to Valentine's Day, that 0-0 draw mm. at Bristol Rovers, and everyone was having a bit of a wobble at that stage. And I think they adapted a little bit then. And I think they went, started to go a, a little bit more direct at times. Yes, they still had the, the possession principles, and wanting to dominate games and be the dominant team will always underpin it. But I think they've added some different strings to their bow and and they've morphed more, certainly since being promoted into more of this counter-attacking, fast counter-attacking side. Mm. Um, Still want to start attacks from the back, still want to draw people in. It's a bit cat and mouse. um, And then bang, 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 they can can be uh, at your goal in in, uh, a few passes. Mm. So... um, yeah, probably if you if you had to label them now, you'd probably be calling them more of a counter-attacking side um, with those kind of possession principles, still always the base values of, of the team. But um, yeah, they're always adapting to different levels, different opponents. Um, that's what makes them makes them so good. In that regard, and are they are they something of a chameleon side, Stu? They're capable of cap- changing their spots, if you like. They they're kind of uh, approach depending on on what's required in each game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, we're getting back towards first half of last season when we talked about these bespoke game plans and Caden yeah. Jackson, for example, being called upon for certain scenarios. I, I mean, we're talking a lot about Amari Hutchinson. I wonder if Caden Jackson was fit, whether that Hutchinson mm-hmm. debut would have even happened because I think he might have been the, the first choice to play on the left. Um, mm. Had picked up a knee injury at Hillsborough but um yeah uh, yeah chameleon is, is probably a good description for him excellent and, and with success to you and I, I've done a bit this morning with town being standing alone with with Man City in English football in this calendar year is the only two sides who've won 20 games um in this calendar year which again is remarkable isn't it when you think back to where we where we were not too long ago and losing the way they lost at Charlton and then they lost at Barrow in the FA Cup and it was dreadful. And now they're literally up there with, with Man City. And actually, if you look at the form table across Europe in their last 20 games, they're actually above Man City on goal difference. It's crazy. And with success, obviously, will come more and more noise, mm-hmm. more and more eyes, more and more attention on the man who's coordinating, orchestrating that success, Kieran McKenna. And we saw it yesterday with, with Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer talking on one of their numerous podcasts they do together and um, they were asked who's the best young up-and-coming manager outside the Premier League and both of them said Kieran McKenna um thoughts on this year because we're gonna have to get used to this especially as we get into sacking season in the Premier League October onwards particularly around Christmas McKenna is going to be linked with every bloody job going isn't he mm. yeah we knew that even in the summer when mm. Leicester and Celtic were coming up and um but now he's doing it at, in the second tier, do you know yeah. what I mean? 
So yeah, anything you do in League One, I think, goes under the radar. We're seeing mm. that with the, the international call-ups now. You can be mm. superb in in League One, but it just doesn't maybe get the recognition that that it sometimes deserves. With people like Burgess and Morsi now getting back into or into international setups, and it's the same with with managers now. You start doing it at the top end of the championship, it's going to draw some more attention. Um, yeah, well, November time is normally when the heads start to roll and jobs become available. You still feel like the big ambitions of the club match the big ambitions of the manager and that the two have still got a long way to go on this journey together at the moment. Um, so we'll we'll see, won't we, what, what jobs become available and whether there'll, there'll be a tipping point somewhere at some point that... Um, that will turn the manager's head and I'm sure and I know Ipswich have got succession plans and are and are aware of that themselves that they'll be they'll be well aware of sort of the managerial market and yeah. um you know not not uh, being caught cold on a, on a situation like that but I mean hopefully we're talking you know months hopefully years, years. down down the track aren't we yeah. for that conversation Ashton's data dashboard will already be worrying I'm sure would you agree with that that comment from those two guys? Obviously, they've done a bit in the game. They know what they're talking about. Best yeah. manager outside the Premier League. I mean, M- Michael Richards, uh, who was on the same podcast, said Liam Rose Senior. Yeah, yeah, I know he's he's highly rated at Harlem. Mm. What he's what he's doing there. Um, Ryan Lowe is doing fantastically at Preston yeah. at the moment. Um, Stephen Schumacher at highly Plymouth, rated yeah. at Plymouth. So it's. Um, it's a real spectrum of managers, isn't there? Obviously, Neil Neil Warnock looks like he's finally uh, finally done with with management. Um, Roy Hodgson's obviously had a had a health scare recently, but still still going with with Crystal Palace. But it just shows you I'd, there's a, a whole way of uh, a whole way of sort of approaching management from from young to old. But it does feel like there's a, a younger breed coming through and, and changing things a little bit and. Um, I've felt and known for quite a long time that Kieran McKenna is something special and that he's going the way he talks, even from day one, that sort of he's got that steely look in his eye mm. that he, he knows that he's good and he, he's not sort of he's not he's not arrogant in the way he talks about his ambitions, but I just think he's got that underpinning confidence about him that he's he's learnt his trade. He he mm. bulked at the idea that he's some kind of rookie manager. If people talk about him being Last year, it's your first season in senior management. You're a young rookie boss. Yes, he's young, but he's, you know, compared to people that have just hung up their boots and starting management, he's done, he's got a 10, 15 year head start in terms of learning, learning coaching on some mm. of these guys. And um, yeah, he's, he's, as he keeps saying, he's been, he's been Champions League, Premier League assistant manager. He's, he's felt comfortable at that level and that's where he wants to get back to. What is it that impresses you most about McKenna? Stewie, because I think the more the more we we get into his kind of reign, I think obviously he's clearly very tactically astute, very good coach, able to improve players. But I think the more I think about it, is is the man management, the, the kind of culture that he's created around the side, where even if you're not playing, you feel very much part of it, and no one feels like they're, you know, the old school management way of just being yelled at and told you're not good enough. You you feel like that's that's not something that happens at town now. He's a he's a top class communicator is the thing that I would mm. 
I would say is at the very top of his attributes. Obviously, he's seen as a very good coach and yeah. technically, tactically, is obsessed with the game. Um, people talk about him being methodical and uh, that, but you can have all of that and it's useless if you can't communicate it in a way that's relatable to your to your players. And, and that is the thing that impresses me the most is the way that he is able to communicate to the wider public via the media, his, his thought processes and obviously... Um, the way he can communicate with his his players as well. Um, that, I would say, is is the top of his attributes because without it, all the other stuff is no good. Hmm. Is someone trying to communicate with you, by the way, Stu? Your phone is, is going mental. Is there some breaking news? Have you forgotten to is it? Can pick you up the misses? Yeah. That's no, all right. Just some nonsense. Just some WhatsApp fans. group chats going some off. Fans. Oh, yeah. What's that? Um, okay, right then. That's good. I enjoyed talking about the bigger picture. And now let's get back into the smaller picture, Stu, which is this Saturday. Blackburn Rovers coming to to visit Portman Road. Another two game uh, week with Wolves visiting on on Tuesday in the Carabao Cup. That's exciting as well, isn't it? We'll talk about that in due course. But Blackburn Rovers coming to Portman Road, Stu, a side that that were good last season, flirting with the playoffs. Not started that well this season. Twelfth at the moment. They've just lost three one at home to Sunderland, um, and not too long ago, a couple of games ago, they got tonked three nil at Plymouth. Um, how are we feeling about about this game then? I mean, I, I guess we go into every game now thinking hmm. it's a game that Dan, Dan very much uh, uh, probably favourites to win. Yeah, I mean, talk quickly about Blackburn, but ultimately this conversation will end. It doesn't really matter about the opposition because yeah. it's about what Ipswich yeah. are, the confidence that Ipswich are in, instilling in us. Um, and that, that will be the ultimate takeaway. But Black, Blackburn are a side that have finished just outside the playoffs a couple of seasons in a row, eighth and then seventh last season. Uh, you mentioned some of their defeats, but they have won 1-0 at Watford. They did beat Middlesbrough um, at home recently. They beat West Brom on the opening day. So um, they've had some some decent results in there as well, a bit of a mixed bag. Um, but they'll be coming to Portman Road without much in the way of strikers. They've lost, uh, obviously, their talisman in Ben Brereton-Diaz, who's gone off to Villarreal. Bradley Dack as well, who's been a bit of a goal-getter from midfield over several years, departed in, in the summer as well. And, and their manager, John Dahl Thomason, has been, um, I think, uh, making some veiled comments about sort of the lack of backing in, in the transfer market, some frustrations o- over the summer. So uh, lots of homegrown players in their side. Um, Sammy Smodix is probably the name that jumps off the page. Obviously, ex-Peterborough Colchester has uh, mm. scored and um, been a bit of a, a thorn in Ipswich's side uh, previously. But, um, yeah, it'll be another typically competitive championship game, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but it's, how can you not feel feel good and confident about Ipswich at the, at the moment with what they're doing? We should talk, actually. I didn't mention it in the um, the Southampton chat but in, in terms of the, the you got an injury update didn't you after the game from McKenna about Davis and and Jackson which seems to fit now as well as we look into the weekend so just brings up to speed with, with what you said there because it sounds like Davis although it might not be you know kind of months and months and season ending sort of stuff it, it does sound like it's going to keep him out for a little while yeah hard to know they've been sort of little micro updates on Leaf Davis mm. since since Sheffield Wednesday the sort of first 24 hours they 24 48 hours couldn't really say a great deal because you're waiting for the swelling 
to mm. go down before the scan can really sort of reveal the true damage there. But the latest after the game on Tuesday night is that they don't think it's very, very serious was, was kind of the update on that. But it's not to say he's going to suddenly be available to play in the next few games, I wouldn't have thought. Um, so that's Leif Davis. Caden Jackson um, had a bit of a knee problem after the game at Sheffield Wednesday. Initially, they thought that that was, that was a bad one. They were worried about that. But thankfully, the scan again has shown that there's no structural damage, was the um, was the quote on on Caden. So we'll see if he's available for the weekend. Um, the squad is certainly going to get tested to the limit. That was mm. one of the big takeaways from Tuesday night, is that we knew this starting eleven, which was well settled, was a good one. Um, but how deep was the squad? I know people were going, have they really added enough quality to this team. I hadn't there was a lot of talk about oh they haven't upgraded the starting eleven after the transfer window shut. Well Hutchinson's now come in and I think people have realised that he's a player that's ready to make an impact. Jack Taylor, okay, wasn't incredible on Tuesday night, but I think he's going to have some qualities to bring. I thought both people like Dominic Ball and Marcus Harness came on and and got to the pace of the game really well. Don Ball mm. came on at right back and, and did well. I thought Harness, um, who could could have been feeling a little bit sorry for himself, someone that was involved more often than not last season, has, has kind of drifted even out of the match day squad of late. For him to come on and make an impact was was good. And um, that's a, just a reminder that all of these players are going to have, have a role to play. So um, I'm sure there'll be some some knocks and niggles after two long away trips. They've put a lot into those two 1-0 wins. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of team team starts the game on Saturday. I enjoyed the picture, by the way, that, that Town put out of the, the ex-Pompey players after uh, beating Southampton on Tuesday night, the, the four of them there. we saw, Obviously, I should mention Dane Scarlett as well. Um, we got to see a little bit of him as well. Was yeah. there enough to kind of form an opinion on him, Stu? Yeah, decent little cameo for him towards the end. Um, some nice little touches showed that he's he was prepared to do to the hard running as well. We talked about mm. sort of defence starting from the top. Ipswich are never going to be, I don't think, the way they're set up to be based around having a 20-goal lead striker. They're a bit of more of a facilitator, um, someone who's just constantly charging down the goalkeeper and stretching the defence, which creates that space in behind for, for the Tens, Chaplins and Hutchinsons and people to kind of operate and Broadhead and, and the like. So, um, yeah, a decent little cameo for him. Uh, he's another one that's um, that's going to have a role to play going forward. So um, one player we haven't mentioned, actually, in looking back before we move on from Southampton is, is the goalkeeper, Hackey, who yeah. once again came up with a clutch save at a big moment in the second half, just as Southampton were trying to get back at Ipswich, find an equaliser the one time they were able to, one of the few times they were able to get through the middle of the pitch. He's um, come out quick, made himself big and um, took the full force of a Shadham shot, I think, right in the kisser. And uh, um, he's he's been remarkable, Vaz, since stepping in for Christian Walton and uh, allied with his ability to play out from the back. I wasn't sure what he was going to be like aerially. That would be mm. the big question mark. Can he can he match Christian in that respect? Well, there were some big punches, one big catch, uh, a brave dive at the feet uh, in the six-yard box as well. There's going to be a decision to be made there when, when Christian is, is back fit. We're talking about him being back, diving around on the training pitch, so it might be sooner rather than later, but there's certainly going to be no rush to make that change, that's for sure. 
that's a genuine conversation, isn't it? That we're going to have to have a yeah. coming conversation, a serious conversation. I look forward to having it. But in terms of this weekend, Stu, we know obviously it sounds like Davis is going to be out, so Williams will 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 continue to fill in there. You'd imagine, wouldn't you, that Luongo would come back in for for Taylor and Broadhead for for Hutchinson? You see any other kind of changes? Taylor, needed to... uh, Luongo in midfield, yes, definitely. Yeah. I think they'll they'll go back to to that. Um, depends. I'm sure there'll be some people that have that are carrying some bits and pieces that we won't know mm. about, but assuming everyone's fit as well as Amari did on Saturday, I think, you know, uh, I think it will be Broadhead back in, no doubt mm. about it. I think he's someone whose best moments have come at Portman Road. Um, more, maybe this is more his sort of sort of game. Um, so you would have thought that that will be the change. Um don't know how's how's Wes Burns. You know, we talked about his hamstring earlier in that. I thought yeah. he was he was really good on Tuesday night. He'd have been right up there in terms of my sort of pick of pick of players. But is is it time to dip him out? And then if 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 it is, maybe you could you could play Hutchinson on that side. Yeah. Is Jackson okay to play? Um, don't know, but um, yeah, you just know that. I think we're in a position where you feel like you can trust. Whoever is whoever is called upon, uh, and you trust what whatever game plan Kieran McKenna comes up with. Mm. Right then, let's do a prediction, Stu. I appreciate it's Thursday morning, um, so there's a lot that can happen between then and or now and then. Uh, we don't know, as you say, lots of unknowns around Knox and stuff. We'll get more from Kieran hopefully tomorrow on that. Um, I am riding a really bad run of form on predictions. You are as well. We are actually propping up the table as uh, as the young guns. Like to remind us, um, we both said two-two draw, didn't we, on on Tuesday? And Roscoe, unbelievably, having said one-nil, and I thought complete nonsense, um, got it right. So he's now stretched his lead on us. What do you reckon for for Saturday? Uh, I feel like I should just keep predicting wins because yeah. um, <laughs> not try and mess about with this anymore and try yeah. and predict when it's going to end. Just keep predicting wins. Um, 2-0 Ipswich. Oh, you bastard. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. I like 2-0. I like 2-0. Okay. Well, we'll both go with that. Maybe yeah. we'll pick different different goal scorers. Go on. You, you say yours first. Uh, Actually, I'll say mine because you said you said the score. I'll them. say... I'll say George Hurst. Okay. I think most people will say Chaplin or, or probably Broadhead, which I thought was the way I'd go all, all season, to be honest. But I'm going to say... Hurst, he needs a goal, doesn't he? Um, so let's hope he gets one Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's, yes, yeah, it's between Broadhead and Chaplin. And I'll I'll go with, yeah, he feels like a, he's been a man for Portman Road. So uh, fresh from not playing in midweek, I'll go with Nathan Broadhead. Okay. So we're both saying 2 0. You're saying Broadhead. I'm saying George Hurst. Um, we'll obviously share the predictions across the group um, as we get closer to the game. Uh, and the boys, no doubt, will. Uh, We'll, we'll have more chance of getting it right than, than we do. We hot need to take, start picking up. Hot take though, Mark. A Connor Chaplin long-range chip has got to come at some point, hasn't yes. it? Do you remember he hit the bar from like the halfway line Sunderland, in pre-season? Yeah. Well, Sunderland, yeah, chipped the goalkeeper, hit the bar there. He did this, he, I think he hit one, the post at, uh, in the Felix Stowe game early in pre-season from near the halfway line. He's He's been having a few of those. Hits, hits a woodwork again with a little chip. Why don't we do that as a hot take then? If, I mean, if you say if it, Connor Chaplin scores a chip, an orda- or because they're always audacious, aren't they? Yeah. An audacious chip, 
I reckon you should get 10 points. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure about changing the rules, but I thought I'd just ch chuck it out there. It feels uh, like one of those coming. I've also got another theory that Con Connor is soon to become a dad. I think it's any time soon, actually. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and he said it was yeah. near. I always feel like, I don't know what it is, a bit of adrenaline and excitement about becoming a father for the first time. I've, I've noticed over the years that players up their games around then. There's, uh, and I, I think a little... Connor Chaplin goal goal rush is coming around this this period when yeah you can you can see it already the baby celebrations yeah. can't you? Uh, you kind of logic would would kind of suggest that should that should be the opposite thing Stu because obviously should be athletes need sleep and recovery in that and you don't get obviously I wouldn't know because I, I've chosen not to procreate but um I, I'm led to believe you don't get a lot of sleep around the birth of a young child so um, it would seem to be counterintuitive that they would, they would, their performance would would uh, increase after. It does, but I think I don't know. Something sort of chemically goes on. I don't know whether it's a uh, something switches in your mind that you're now a protector, a provider. <laughs> although, it, genuinely, seriously, yeah. all those things sort of change in your mind, and it sort of, um, I think, it translates into kind of a an increase in athletic performance. So I like yeah, it. Uh, yeah, I know Connor's really excited by that, and he's, he's having the time of his life. He's having a ball at the moment, and he, like we talked about the Portsmouth stuff earlier, that was um, shushing the crowd because he got yeah. a bit of stick as a as a Portsmouth boy. I think he's he's soaking all of this in at the moment and enjoying it for for what it's worth. Um, so that's, that's good to see. Top shit howtery from Ipswich as well, posting <laughs> the picture of all the all the Pompey boys afterwards. Absolutely. The fans, the fans as well. One of my favourite moments from Tuesday night was uh, Southampton did a bit of a half-assed rendition of their kind of uh, Saints Saints go marching in, um, mm. and Ipswich just just changed it to Town go marching in and sang sang it louder and owned it more, which was uh, which was top shit housery as well. Everything's bloody good, isn't it? Speaking of bloody good, Stu, I watched uh, Norwich Leicester last night. I don't know if you see any of that, but Leicester looked good, man. They've got some. Mm. They've got some really good players. That, Jewsbury uh, Hall looks a player, doesn't he? Jewsbury Hall, absolutely. I mean, he didn't start, but when he came on, he was just running the show. And the uh, the winger, left winger, uh, Mavadidi, Steffi Mavadidi, he is a proper baller. Uh, won the penalty with a ridiculous challenge. Um, and yeah, they look very, very good indeed. And Norwich, to be fair, you know, Norwich are obviously going to have a a decent season as well. Liam Gibbs, formerly of this parish, played, didn't do a lot, has to be said. And and Jonathan Rowe, you know, they kind of young wonder kid he got he got brought off at half time which I was quite surprised about no injury there but um town Ash, against leicester Ashley barnes has done his knee isn't he Crucial yeah looking about so that's a yeah. good play for them yeah leicester mate leicester town that's going to be a really really interesting game because obviously leicester are playing out from the back their keeper by the way is superb with this feet um so that's going to be a very very interesting game when that comes around a real litmus test there for town but you wouldn't bet against them passing it the way they're, they're, they're playing at the moment. I've got to ask you as well, Stu, you're wearing a golf shirt. Um, you looking forward to the Ryder Cup? I love the Ryder Cup. Yeah, yeah I love the Ryder Cup. Have you yeah. watched much golf recently? Because this new lad, uh, Aberg, isn't there, Olberg? You familiar with him? This, this lad who's come from the university scene in America and is going to play in the Ryder Cup without having even played in a major? I haven't he's... followed it that closely, if I'm honest, wow. to be honest. No, I've, uh, he's, he's... Uh, he's one of these kind of new breed of um what's the word uh winning machines um he's very very exciting so uh so yeah i'm, I'm definitely i think the rider cups up there i think with the best 
sporting events full stop, don't you? That would be on a bucket list, I think, for me to to go mm. and watch one at some point. Definitely. Yeah. Have you have you ever watched professional golf, been to like events and stuff? Um, seeing, seeing the top lads strike the ball is is kind of awe inspiring. The, the uh, speed. No, I haven't actually. No. Yeah, I went to watch um, what the, the one they had at Woburn. I went a couple of years on the bounce and saw this is this is when the likes of um, Poulter, Colin Montgomery, and Lee Westwood were kind of in their pomp, and seeing them hit the ball, mate, like as a, as someone who's had a frustrating hack around the course quite a lot of times. I know you're a bit more of a golfer, but it's so smooth. And that the power they, you know, when you see something which is just kind of awe inspiring <laughs> and it's so simple, they make it look so easy. But the, the, the thwack as they hit the ball, like a gun going off, seriously impressive, mate. Um, what are you playing off at the moment? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a hacker, mate. Yeah, no, yeah. I've, uh, I'm, I've been playing for years and I still want to break 100. That's where that's where I'm at. I just don't play enough. It's not like riding a bike where you've you got to commit. Thing. You? It's yeah, time. I'm, yeah. I play once every like four, five, six months and it's like I'm just starting again. And then I, I'm time poor. You rock up, barely yeah. do a warm up. Um, but there'll always be two or three really good shots in there that just sort of drag. And that's back. enough, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. enough. One good shot is like, I can do this, I can actually play this game. That's what makes it so infuriating. Um, but yeah, have we told have we told the story on the podcast before, Stu, when you were working in a, in a golf store and, and Liam Gallagher swaggered in? Have we told that? Probably, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Liam tell, Gallagher. Tell who was who was who was his? Uh, Patsy Kenzie. Was it Patsy no, Kenzie? The one from All Saints. Oh, um, uh, Appleton, Nicola Appleton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They they just came swanning in, sold them some golf clubs. Did he, was he properly like, did he, does he actually walk like that? He comes in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he was wearing the sort of the proper Parker coat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Up to the top. Oh, that was, yeah. That was like peak, peak oasis. That would have been, well, peakish oasis, sort of early noughties. You wouldn't have thought Liam Gallagher back then was a, was a golf, a golf player, would you? Why was I mean, he in American golf, Freeport, Braintree? Exactly. Of all the places he could be. I can't imagine him on a golf course. Anyway, um, it's a, a slightly strange end to the show. Anything else to mention? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I have got anything else to mention. That's all right, mate. You don't no. have to. It's fine. Um, okay. Well, that's been a rare two-man show. I hope you enjoyed it. It's coming up to an hour now, so we'll, we'll bid you adieu and get on with our day. Uh, just to remind us, our sponsors, obviously, use the code K8 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all that excellent club. I should be using their beard trimmer in due course. I've got a bit of growth on me at the moment. Um, also, obviously, support our other sponsor, Ginger Pickle, if you need help with your digital ads, your Google marketing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, SEO, uh, not CEO, as dear old Roscoe keeps calling it. Um, get involved with them, Tony Southgate and the boys at Ginger Pickle are the way to go. And also, if you'd like to buy yourself some KOA merch, I'm just sporting the uh, the best-selling KOA hoodie. Very comfy. And there's the, the colour contrast mug there from Stu. Always get the product placement in. Um, you can find links on our, on our various social medias to the KOA store. Right then, friends. Um, things are going rather well, aren't they? Uh, six wins from seven games as we head into the weekend. Best form side in Europe, better even than Manchester City. Friends, if you go into the game, enjoy it. If you see the boys there, do say hello. If you're not, follow it with them, and we'll be back next week to break it all down and speak to you once again. Have a good one. <laughs>